Welcome to Diverse Tech Founders, a podcast about the one thing older than capital, people like you and me. Now here's your host, Abraham J. Williamson. So we have Don Cornelius here of Human, which we're going to get to learn a lot about uh, moving forward. But first, we wanted to learn the founder behind Human, and that's Don Cornelius. So uh, tell us, Don, where did you grow up? I'm a native Nashvilleian, more of a boomerang, but I grew up in in Nashville in the inner city and have moved back here after several years of being away. Gotcha. That's a good point. And I would leave it there, but since I live in Nashville, I have to ask you where, you know, in the city you grew up, where, where are your stomping grounds? Yeah, I grew up in North Nashville, so right off of Jefferson Street, so historic area. My grandmother, who, you know, was the person who bought you know, right after or right during white flight. So in 1950s and later bought each parcel of land, which are very, very small parcels inside the the inner city that became home directly involved in watching where the interstate came through. You know, a lot of the controversies in the city of talking about how infrastructure has played a role in terms of just systemic racism. So it was literally across the street from my home. So sit on the porch, look at I-65 and uh, watch the cars go by. On our porch, we could see Legislative Plaza in downtown. So great location today where people want to live. Since that time, our home has been one of those where, you know, family eventually sold it. And, you know, they're, you know, big, tall, skinny, very expensive homes on that, on that property. But it, it wasn't that uh, when I grew up. Got it. And I see what you mean and understand. And I'm glad that you, you let everyone know that these are your roots. Speaking of roots, uh, let's dig into your tech background a little bit more, your experience with AI. Uh, can you just tell us sort of from the beginning into now what your experience and relationship has been with tech to date? Yeah, so I'm probably one of the more unlikely tech founders in the very traditional sense of, you know, having been a programmer or, you know, having experience in engineering is is not my story. My background is marketing and publishing and media for a lot of years, last last several decades, as well as, you know, lots of leadership kinds of stints, uh, leading strategy, those kinds of things. I've always been a very data-driven marketer and probably 10, 15 years ago, became extremely interested. Had one stint in one of my careers of being what was called a technical specialist at that time and building, you know, ancient, you know, CD-ROMs that were a part of, of curriculum and printed products and building interactive gaming. So, you know, it's not surprising now, after all these years, kind of to look back at the the through line through my career and just through my personhood um, and see that trajectory. But over the last couple of years, it really amplified when I attended Kellogg to get an MBA. And within the first couple of months, one of my colleagues who was working at MIT at the time leads their innovation work and did just an afternoon talk around AI. And it was lit for me, you know, grateful for that experience because it actually kind of framed the rest of the next two years of you know what I explored during my MBA in Hong Kong and you know mainland China and understanding fintech and blockchain and just lots of technology courses you know taken from some of the greatest leaders to to understand AI and emerging technologies and so I've dug real deep 
over the last uh, two years, but it's just always been a kind of a natural fancy for me. Definitely very balanced, you know, left brain, right brain kind of thing. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm in deep now. So that I think is a good a place as any to kind of get into what is human and from where did the idea originate? You're bringing together all of the strategy background, like the introduction into technology. You want to put that toward a problem, an idea, a solution. What is it and what was that genesis? Yeah, so the, the, the problem that had been on my mind for, for some time because it was my own personal experiences trying to find my person for love and romance and very frustrated with the solutions that existed. You know, as a busy professional and as a single mom of three kids, the just luxury of being able to go out in real life and have experiences to meet people just wasn't my, my luxury. You know, and like many people, unless you're meeting someone kind of the natural course of your professional life or your personal life, even trying to be intentional about that sometimes can be very difficult. One of my, you know, really key awarenesses was that, you know, whether that's in real life, personal experiences or through the existing solutions and technology, you know, being limited by, you know, who's in your universe, who you have access to, you know, if, if you know, the natural course of my life is, you know, 20 miles or 100 miles, you know, around the city that, that I live in or, you know, when I'm traveling or those kind of things are using current solutions that limit your ability to search for a person just kind of based on whether or not they're within your city, within your state, just to me, we're inefficient. So this notion of needing to and desiring to, to find my person was a problem that I, I wanted to solve. When I heard the AI talk, one of the things that I saw was that there were very few applications that really maximize the use of what AI, machine learning, and predictive analytics can really do. You're saying people don't know the possibilities with AI and that that's what you're exploring with you. Can you just dig into that a little? I don't want us to gloss over that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, currently, you know, what, what you see with a lot of dating apps and relationship apps, um, they're using kind of a simple filtering in, you know, AI and algorithms in order to, you know, help a person find their find their person that the um, strength of AI is far greater than that, especially when you align that with predictive analytics and the ability of machine learning. So essentially what machine learning is, is, is that it's taking the information that's coming in and the machine is becoming smarter and smarter over, over time. It's actually responding uh, to the data that, that it's being being fed. And so it's being trained on you know all this all this data. And there's some level of that in some of the some of the solutions, but not nearly to the degree of what I knew was really, really possible. The other strength of AI is the ability to actually source the data and, and bring that in. Whereas, you know, traditional dating apps right now are all bent on or dependent on someone entering their data. You know, the user is generating photo in your gallery, could be five years ago that you want to upload and you write some, you know, really cool things that kind of present your best self. Some of it's truth. And what data says is over 75% of it is not true. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. So basically you are saying <laughs> that a lot of the information that we as individuals put on dating apps in the marketplace right now is inaccurate and that your solution would potentially reduce the likelihood of getting bad data 
into these environments. Yeah, reduce and almost eliminate, you know. Um, almost eliminate, wow. Almost, almost eliminate. So, right. you know, go back to your, your, your question just in one succinct way, you know, to say what human, human is. Human is an AI-enabled technology that uses predictive analytics and machine learning. So very sophisticated, innovative technology to help people find their person. Um, it's a relationship app that has already launched with the wait list that's opened and we're moving in phases as people will be onboarded to be able to use the technology. It takes away traditional swiping, traditional surveys, and actually all traditional user-generated content and instead subs that out for the user opting in to the platform. And then the technology actually creates a profile and finds the person that is uh, what we call the BPM, the best potential match for that person. The other thing that human does, it doesn't limit a person to someone who has to be on the platform. Because of my marketing background, very savvy around how digital marketing works. And so, you know, once a person is in our universe, as we call it, we can find anyone, anywhere in the world that will be your best potential match through our technology. So, it literally opens the entire world, the entire universe, as long as that's something that a person is open to, to help them find their, their best match. It's targeted to people who are looking for long-term committed relationships. So it's not, not casual dating. It's for people who are ready for it right now. Talk to us about how those conversations go with stakeholders when you're attempting to prove to them that people will use it, that people need it. Yeah, well, you know, First of all, you know, being a woman and being a Black uh, woman in AI and technology is a very interesting place. It's definitely a very lonely place, um, and particularly, you know, as a, as a solo founder. So those those conversations go really well <laughs> when the conversation actually happens. But even with someone with, you know, my level of experience and network and education, it's surprisingly, you know, still, you know, has has its challenges. Um, but the overall response, especially to, you know, stakeholders who are, you know, either in AI, machine learning, in the tech world, and I've I've talked with folks that kind of really run the gamut, is that they're wild, you know, extremely wild by the by the technology and you know by the idea and the kind of why hasn't someone, you know, thought of this before and really stretches the bounds of what AI can really do for us and create a very honest and safe and actually, you know, more human experience as it, as it relates to, you know, helping someone find, find their person. You know, some of the early testing, one of the things I was really concerned about were a couple of true barriers. One, um, you know, with our technology, you don't see a profile picture until you until you're actually matched with someone. So one of the questions was, would that be a barrier for people? And what, what we discovered is that nope, it's actually not a barrier for people. And especially those who are, you know, ready for their long-term committed, because they they've done the swiping. Um, they've they've gone through the the gamut of you know clicking on a pretty picture and you know experiencing some really unpleasant times in their in their life. So they're ready for the person and whoever, whatever that that looks like. Of course, it does play a factor at some point. You know, physical attraction actually does matter. The other oh, thing we were oh, curious. 
Just one more point before we move on to the next one. I was reading an article today from last year in the Atlantic, but it was talking about dating apps in the dating marketplace and saying that the individuals, the users often narrow their uh, selection or, or slew of options down so much that they end up pricing themselves out of a potential partner. And it sounds like you are addressing that directly by taking that level of autonomy away from me as a user of a dating app and saying, look, we're going to keep your net as wide as possible because our eyesight is, our periphery is wider than yours is. So we're going to help you get to that step. But then it's all up to you, just like it would be if you walked into a library or a grocery store or a bar or, you know, an event or a concert and met someone and got to know them and you didn't have a choice in that <laughs> sort of idea. <laughs> Until you came to that point, but I just wanted to say that, like, it's spot on. Yeah, it's it's, it's exactly the, the the case, you know. And and one of the things, so in that that seventy three seventy six percent number that I mentioned earlier around profiles that are fake. So when you dig into that, one of the things that we discovered is is that some of it's intentional. You know, sometimes you know people just intentionally lie to create a better version of themselves, and sometimes it's because people don't really know who they are. And that's kind of a, you know, may feel harsh and maybe even a little bit, sh you know, shocking. Um, but I definitely could relate, even as my my own experience. You know, um, you sometimes we it, it takes time for us to evolve, and the closer we get to that time where we're like, you know what, you know, I'm I'm ready to become my best version of myself, and I'm also, you know, ready to evolve. And life has dealt enough that I'm 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 just ready. I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that that person. And what we've learned is that there are multiple factors that really kind of predict, you know, the best outcomes for a successful relationship. And so by factoring those those in as well to the technology, what we've learned is is that if you're really ready and you're looking for your person, this is the app that will that will help you get a whole lot closer to that than anything else on the market. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, what's it like pitching while you're in business school? You mentioned it earlier, you were at Kellogg. So you were in business school at Northwestern, okay, and getting a master's in business administration. Tell us what was it like pitching human then, if you did, and what is it like now having graduated and working in other endeavors while you're trying to build this company? Yeah, so I spent the last two years while in business school really, you know, digging deep, you know, and learning and validating the idea. I spent that time, you know, doing lots of kind of user um, uh, surveys and you know, user focus groups and really just, you know, uh, nailing down the, the product itself and the concept, um, validating, you know, product market fit, those, those kinds of things. Um, and I was still working, you know, full time in a, in a VP marketing role. Um, so all of that's, you know, going on as well. And, and was doing some part time consulting since then, as in May of, of this year, I left my, you know, full time secure um, role and launched to be a, a founder full time. I also am a principal consultant for the Cornelius groups. I run consulting and do strategy and marketing for other uh great brands and, and great companies, which allows me also the, the freedom to, to, you know, to pitch and to continue to, to build human as well. 
pitching now is um, every time I learn something different, um, you know, I learn most from the questions, you know, that come from investors and, you know, other just kind of interested, interested parties. And what it's helped me to do is to narrow down, you know, what's really most most important. When I, when I first started my my pitch deck, you know, really, you know, just kind of dug very very philosophically, and um, as well as kind of you know a lot on the product, and it was very very tech heavy, um, you know, just lots of kind of analytical frameworks and lots of tech speak, but over the you know, last year as I've been been pitching more, really learning, okay, what's what's really resonating, you know, on the investor side, what's really resonating, you know, on the you know, potential user side and taking that feedback and improving every time. You mentioned you were a solo founder. Are you looking for co-founders? What went into your decision to go solo, remain solo, and what's in the future? Uh, and if Solo will be retired and you'll have some co-founders, I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm open to it. You know, uh, I'd say over the last month, you know, for the first time, really seriously searching, you know, for a co-founder. Um, over the last two years, you know, I've interviewed, I've had conversations at think tanks, work groups, folks from my cohorts or across the, you know, Kellogg network around the world you know, have had conversations, you know, where I've actively put it out there, hey, I'm looking for a co-founder. Um, and then those just did not return any anything for me. And so I'm passionate about this idea. I absolutely know that this is a solution that will impact millions of lives. Um, and I've realized over the last couple of years, just kind of that thread and the passion for me around human connections and that people have deep and meaningful connections. You know, just on a on a personal level, I was talking to someone recently and just kind of reflecting over what really matters most to me. Um, I've written a book around this idea around how how much moments matter, and that is a that is a thread for me. Um, it's experiences, it's time. You know, making uh, memories that will last forever, and paying attention uh, to people. So it's it's important. So I just kept moving. Um, you know. If it, if it comes, it, it's great. Um, there are a lot of, you know, thoughts around whether or not, um, you know, single co-founders do better than single founders versus having multiple co-founders. And then for me, it's the issue around uh, having a technical co-founder. Will that increase my uh, chances for funding or is that a role that I just hire for? I'm, I'm really open. I'm open to, to, to either way. Gotcha. So if you're listening right now and you are a technical co-founder looking for a startup early in the game, then you, you have one here. Uh, speaking of growing fast, um, you know, big checks can can certainly go a long way toward that. And I saw when I was doing a little bit of reconnaissance and background on you that you uh, um, are very established in your faith as well in terms of uh, you know, meeting other people, uh, missionary work and the like. So this next question I'm going to pose uh, within that construct. Okay, so let's say you're sitting uh, in church, Southern Baptist uh, congregation, and a preacher comes up and says, you know, uh, I, this is what I would do with a million dollars. I don't know if you've heard this story before, but it says, this is what I would do with a million dollars. And someone in uh, the congregation visiting that day was so taken away 
by that sermon, by that message that they wrote them a check for a million dollars. So now I'm going to put you in that position <laughs> and say, what will you do with $1 million in funding right now, you know, for you and or for human? Because some people, they immediately go to, oh, I would make this for myself. But what would you do with a million to grow and expand human? Yeah, that's that would be exciting, paying for, you know, development. Uh, costs over the next, you know, three to six, three to six months, you know, very, very quickly. That's marketing uh, costs, you know, for this go-to-market strategy to, to ensure that we quickly reach, you know, you know, these kind of benchmarks and numbers that I have set for, for user um, acquisition and number of users on the, on the platform um, and to make those first two hires. So, Yes, a million dollars, um, please. <laughs> You're gonna build a team by putting those funds behind humans. Yes, exactly, exactly. Good. Uh, so you mentioned so far your uh, potpourri of experience in the business world. Uh, if you were to isolate or pluck out uh, the most profitable piece of advice that you've received, uh, since you really started getting in and digging your MVP for human, it could be prior to that, but I'm curious since you've begun this journey, it's the most profitable piece of advice that you've received. Yeah, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was was something kind of pre um, this journey, but it, I keep remembering it, especially, you know, in these days of um, being full time. Um, in this founder journey, and that is uh, bet on yourself. Um, one of my, my roles over the last many years was um, marketing and building, you know, A-list authors um, who have been, you know, quite successful. And one of my experiences was, you know, talking with a husband of, of one of those authors and uh, we became pretty close and he had left a, you know, huge corporate, you know, position and, at Hilton in order to, you know, manage and kind of run operations for his wife uh, full time. And, you know, he, he said that the best advice that he had been given was that an older man had shared with him, you know, bet on yourself. Mm -hmm. And that has always resonated with me. It has been kind of the, the thing that has caused me to leap multiple times. It wasn't very long after the second time he shared that piece of advice with me that I, you know, left a real cushy uh, position and launched a social enterprise and later a couple of retail tail stores um, that were cause-based. Um, and it definitely entered my mind, you know, over the last six months as I was contemplating when and, you know, at what point I was going to make this jump, make this jump. And so that notion of there are a lot of things that you can bet on, um, but betting on yourself is a very you know, sure and important, um, you know, very important. I agree. So that's uh, what I'm doing. I'm betting on myself. Bet on yourself then. So uh, I almost think we need a drum roll for this next question because it's one that I've been thinking about uh, since we uh, spoke initially on that, that rooftop on Juneteenth uh, at the museum. And I didn't realize that you were so involved in the museum as well. Uh, what is your position? And can you tell me a little bit about the museum briefly? Because I love it. I'm a member as well. But can you say a little bit more about your experience there, if you feel comfortable doing so? 
Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's it's been, I guess, a year and a half uh, ago or so is that, you know, I was asked to join the marketing committee for the, the board um, of the National Museum of African American Music. And um, even prior to that, in, a, in another role, um, working for a media uh, company, you know, built out you know, you know, pretty strategic and long-term, you know, marketing plans. Um, when it was still just a vision, there wasn't even a, a location uh, nailed down, but it's been great to be a part of that team and kind of speaking in um, to the vision of, you know, what it's gonna, what, what it was gonna look like in order to launch such an incredible place. Absolutely, and I love it. If you come to Nashville, you, you should not leave the city limits uh, before you, you pop in. And I think that that rooftop event actually went viral. <laughs> so the marketing was working. Uh, it's been working. A lot of the time that is measured in hard dollars and cents if you're in America. So how do you make money with mm-hmm. you that? Like how 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 do you make money? Like I come in, <laughs> you know, I find my life partner where they're whether they're here in Nashville or overseas or you know, <laughs> you know. I, otherworldly or what have you, how much am I paying for them? Yeah, the you know, you're asking about the revenue model for humans specifically? Yeah, the revenue model. And you know, I want to know if you're listening right now and you're like, hey, that's a pretty, it's a pretty sweet deal. You're saying that I can find a dating app where I don't have to do any work, but I get the maximum return. You know, I, I'm interested. How much is that going to cost me as well? Yeah, yeah. So at at launch, it will cost twenty two ninety nine. Um, we're kind of you know working with pricing models as well. That's one thing that we'll be doing, kind of with the those who are on our initial wait list, who actually get to you know use the app for free, you know between now and the uh, launch. But between twenty twenty three ninety nine to twenty six twenty seven um, per month. So actually priced way lower. Um, than a lot of the apps that are that are charging on the market, but it's a monthly subscription for fee is the revenue model. Got it. So some of these other apps, and I'm saying this because obviously I have at least popped in there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they have like uh, experiences or like these other elements to try to sort of move or nudge you in the direction of building chemistry. And I'm wondering if human is a search and find, and the chemistry is. Uh, baked in or you know is there other like on the money and the revenue model I'm essentially coming in signing up you do what you do and then it spits out you know partners for me to go out with that I can then go and say expand well who else do you have and I'm just I'm just trying to wrap my head around (laughs) that exchange yeah so great great question so one of the, you know, just kind of, I'll just touch kind of high level some of the, you know, what the the, the features and what the experience looks like looks like. Um, but every person is is offered a, a set number of BPMs or best potential matches, um, and the information that that a person gets to see is far deeper than anything anyone else could, you know, has ever experienced or can imagine. So think everything from like listening habits to uh, values to uh, the kinds of books or art and uh, those kinds of things that, are, that a person um, is interested in um, to the kinds of like passions and interests that a person has. Then you also have the added layer that it's 
the only way this information could be here is if that it was retrieved, you know, through technology. So all of that's, you know, vetted and you can, you know, be in a very safe, much more safe and more secure and more honest, honest environment. Um, unlike other apps, um, there is a limited amount of time that a person, you can message a person back, back and forth. And then the technology automatically prompts you to take the next step. And if there is for just kind of discomfort reasons or, you know, you're just not interested, you don't have to take the next step. You close that, you know, journey down with, with that person and go on to the next person uh, that you're interested in. Another thing that's very, very unique is, is that you uh, have the experience with one person at a time. So it's not balancing five, six, seven different kind of people in your inbox. You're taking a full journey with one person at a time. But that next prompt is that you you schedule a video video call with them to you know see them. You know there are some things that just yeah you know you can't predict or you know understand or feel until you're you know face to face and having some kind of experience with a person. The goal is not for you to stay on an in an app, just endlessly messaging someone. The goal is is to to shorten the distance and the gap between an online reality and your offline reality. The app actually makes those recommendations. What would be a great first get together experience? Orchestrates that, takes care of all of that inside the inside the technology, which also just adds another layer of safety and and security. And then you provide feedback. Was it a good first one? Uh, you know, not such a great one. But all of that, you know, happens um, within the technology. We're looking into on the second version, um, you know, other payments for other kinds of like, you know, customized date experiences, and those those kinds of things. But you know, at its launch, the the core value really is around the subscription model for a monthly fee. You get to to pay to basically have the universe at your disposal. Sounds apropos for our current zeitgeist. Uh, we're going to switch gears here more on the artistic side. Uh, which artist most inspires your work? I mean, this obviously is coming from a very uh, creative, eclectic space, arguably entrepreneurs and founders are artists, but outside of, of this realm, like who is most inspiring that artistic nature that clearly is manifesting itself as you discuss human in your journey and your background? Yeah, so, so many. It's, it's so hard to, to narrow that down. You know, I kind of start a little higher level with kind of genres. Um, I was, I guess you still are, you know, a musician as well. Love, love music. Jazz and R&D and gospel really are the form kind of the bedrock of, of who I am. And so in those genres, you know, I mean, very much like classics, like, um, you know, like Nina Simone and, you know, Patti LaBelle on the gospel side. I mean, just the origins of you know, like James Cleveland, Albertina Walker, definitely that very gritty and very soulful and passionate expression of emotion are those that that resonate very much with me. I love uh, Kirk Whalem. That's just kind of a, a handful. I think you're the first one that's named a number of those folks, but all classics, um, clearly. You know, the museum, again, I don't mean to bring it up again, but I do because you can really go in there and discover a lot of music, the origins, the followers. So that's cool that you've used that as an inspiration for your startup. Speaking of Nashville, in what ways 
does your background make it easier for you to succeed? You know, oftentimes we're like, hey, we, you know, we're always having to put up our struggles and our obstacles. You know, people are testing you based on what you've overcome. But in what ways have you kind of had an advantage or has it made it easier or has a door opened up for you that helped you out? And I think it's important that people see what that looks like so they can recognize it in their own lives. Yeah, I think on a you know, personal and professional level, I don't mean it as a, a cliche or to be offensive, but being a woman, you know, quite honestly, has been an advantage for me. So those kind of nuanced, you know, ways of being able to see what no one else sees that are certainly not just exclusive to women, but that kind of trained eye of being able to notice things, to look, look very deeply. It has been the hallmark advantage, even in my professional career, that if I was having a conversation to say like, well, what is it when you get Dawn? What are you going to get? You're going to get someone who has a distinct advantage to see what other people clearly can't see and the ability to execute really well on that, to carry that, you know, towards fruition. You know, professionally, you know, being in Nashville, the roles I've had have definitely had an advantage for me. Work for large Fortune 500 companies and being able to work on really, really big projects. I work for USA Today, you know, leading strategy and marketing kind of across the network and was able to work on, you know, projects and with companies in all different kinds of industry, regardless of where it is. You know, a nose for a problem is a nose for a problem. You, know, you probably saw my background that I started my career in journalism. Journalists are some of the smartest people you'll ever meet because they they have to learn and understand so many things in that investigative way of approaching what's happening in, in the world is something that definitely provides an, an advantage. And then my last role as VP of marketing, I was you know working for our area chamber of commerce definitely provided the opportunity to be able to build relationships and, and understand how to bridge public and private sector and why those two need to work together. Understanding how private business is actually a key source of driving real sustainable change within a city and within a region and why what you do and what you create matters in a micro and even a macroeconomic situation. Come on, I can't leave that out. That has provided an incredible lift for my career and an incredible lift for my confidence to be able to strengthen you know, those areas that were weaker in my portfolio, like finance and you know, you could sit me down now in an M&A conversation and I'd feel real confident to be in a room. That wasn't so. I had no idea how to structure a merger and acquisition or to understand how to do evaluation or, or to, you know, think about some of those kind of more finance related things. But, but now I can. And I have access to literally thousands of, of people across the world that I can reach out to through a network and say, here's a problem that I'm trying to solve. Can someone, anyone know anything about this or make an introduction for me? So those are the things I'd say that have certainly been, been an advantage for me. Talk to us about what you're seeing in the Nashville local startup scene. I mean, we have uh, pockets of people who are listening to this uh, around the world, really. You know, we have folks uh, back in New York where all of this uh, started, you know, in Houston, in Memphis, in Charlotte, in LA, in the Bay, even in London, in Dublin, in 
you know, South Africa and all these, you know, Kenya, places around the world. So talk to us about what is happening here in Nashville and maybe what other cities could learn from it or what makes it unique as we strive to connect all of these local ecosystems through this diverse tech founders channel. Yeah, one of the things I think that's very unique about Nashville, you know, and I alluded to it earlier, is this public and private desire to work together in partnership and that we have a city and a government that is very favorable towards business and very favorable towards small business. Being able to access those resources and understand what's available can often be the the challenge. But unlike a lot of cities, we have tech council, we have entrepreneur center, there's, you know, more and more of those kinds of places and ecosystems that are built specifically to ensure that business is successful and that businesses thrive here in Nashville. The tech scene is continuing to grow. And I think for a lot of reasons, it's a great place to, to live. The, the, the climate, you know, is better. Most of the year, it's, it's better than a lot of places that, that you can choose. And that people are, are willing to help. You can at least make a phone call or send an email and more than likely you know, get someone to respond to you to at least just have the conversation and get the information that you're that you're looking for. From what I hear, that's pretty unique um, to, you know, some cities that are kind of inundated with a very, very strong tech scene. Now back to human. Uh, if you could only keep one feature, now you, you hit us with a slew of options, you know what I mean? And reasons why people would, you know, sign up and invest the $30 or so every month to find their life partner or their B, uh, BPM, right? But if you could only keep one feature, strip everything else away, start over with this one feature, what would it be? The one feature that really makes human what it is, is this ability to be safe and secure in an honest environment. Profiles are not user created. They are user approved, but they're not user created. And using technology to ensure that you have a more human and honest experience is really the core of what this product is. Love that. So, you know, you you figured out what that core is, but oftentimes it's a windy, twisty, turvy road. Mm -hmm. Name a pivot that you think saved human, the direction you're going in. What was that pivot for you? It's been in this process of building and developing. So one of those, you know, major pivots has been on the user experience and user design, choosing to actually build that early. I spoke with a lot of development companies who wanted to kind of incorporate that as a part of the the tech build. And I, I decided not to. I decided that I wanted this to have an experience that was very, very easy to navigate for users. Um, And then from my marketing background that, you know, that it was tight, (laughs) you know, that the branding, that the marketing, that it was, that there were all these kinds of nuances about the the product that really mattered, that that spoke to you. And so early on, that was over the last, you know, year, that was one of the, the major, I'd say, say pivots. The other thing is, is from one of my advisors is to, you know, definitely focus and to kind of narrow the type of customer and then narrow those those features that would be most, you know, apropos to those to those users. 
I'm sure you get the question a lot, you know, how can we be helpful? I mean, we're going to be helpful at, at Diverse Tech Founders by uh, spreading your message through this channel and others. But, you know, if you're a listener right now and you join what Don is saying about human uh, and you want to know how you can help, how could someone help you continue to grow human? Yeah, I think there are a couple of things, you know, first thing is what you just said is spread the message about a technology that's for people to find their person being built by a Black female tech founder is incredible. I think that is definitely unique for sure in this space, but, you know, spreading that message about a technology that can actually help to make a difference. The second thing is to join the wait list. It's now open at myhumanapp.com. Be one of the first earlier adopters and users to be a part of the platform. Very nice. Now we're getting into uh, the future. Do you want to run a billion dollar company? Why or why not? Yeah, of course I do. I want, I want to run a billion dollar company because, um, you know, one of the things that I learned in my, my previous role of, of you know, working at a chamber is that uh, cities are often built by private industry and the ability for private companies or just corporations to be able to create change is completely at that disposal. The more profitable, the more successful a, a company is, it often equates to more influence and uh, more resources in order to create that change. So that's important to me. It's important to me to hire great people and to change the trajectory of people's lives through uh, working for a great company and a leader who actually cares about who they are and wants to, to see them succeed. So it matters, it matters, it matters to me, yes. <laughs> well, I have no doubt that you will make grand strides toward that goal. I'm not sure if you've had a chance to look at any of our content on YouTube with our app launch parties so far, but I'll briefly describe them for you and any new listeners. Diverse Tech Founders uh, began um, in celebration of, of one of my friends raising a seed round of, of $1.2 million, and we threw a party for him. Called it an app lunch party because we encouraged everyone to download the app and to use it in real time. We got a chance to meet the founders and network with other folks. And it was a tech event, you know, we had wine and, you know, pizza and QR codes and, and whatnot everywhere. And a very short agenda gave an introduction. Why are we here? We're here because less than 1% of tech startup capital goes to founders of color, Black people. Uh, but we can leverage the one thing that's older than capital, and that is people like you uh, and, and me uh, together. <laughs> And then we would pull somebody from the audience and they would kind of say the same thing, but from their own perspective and vantage point, we had wherever we hosted it, the host would talk about the space because you know how the space is marked really impacts the interactions that happen within those four walls. And so we would have them talk about where we were. We had one at uh, our pastor's parsonage. You talked about being on the same block as Madam C.J. Walker and Adam Clayton Powell Jr. and just what that was like to have this type of energy uh, returned. And then we would have an interfaith blessing of the app where uh, you know, a religious figure would come and kind of bring us all together unified all toward the founder. Founder gives a speech, then there's a Q&A session. And that's what I want to ask you about, Don. Uh, if you were in attendance, when you are, because we are bringing this to Nashville, we've had you in New York, we had one in Memphis, and we're going to have one in Nashville in 2021. 
in that Q&A session, what question are you going to ask the founder? Wow. Any founder? Any founder. I was going to say, what about some of the national founders that you know, or if you had seen any of the previous videos, maybe you could talk about what questions you would have asked them. But outside of, you know, sort of the product specific questions, if you just want to kind of get to know them or know their company or their strategy a little bit better, what question are you asking? Yeah. So for me, it's all about the why, why you, why now, and why this? Why does this matter so much to you? What's really the heart story that keeps you up at night, that makes you so determined and so passionate about this idea, this product, this service, this company? Why do you have to do it now? What is it that you've given up over the last year, the last years, in order to ensure that this comes to market. And when you look down the road, five years, 10 years from now, if that's an exit or if it's you continuing to run this company for the next 10 or 20 years, what does that legacy look like? What do you want people to remember or think about you as a person? I think you uh, respectfully overdraft a little bit of our questions. We, we allowed it for you. We just had the one. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> But that's how it goes sometimes. You know, you get on a roll, you can't stop. <laughs> can't stop it. <laughs> the journalist in me just immediately came out. <laughs> those, are, those are all good questions, though, and I think it's an important one, you know, asking that why. Because if you're going to invest in someone, even just by showing up to our app launch party events for, for founders and companies, like, you want to know what's going to keep them going when times get tough, when times get rough. But now I want to get to our second to last question, because the last question is one that's sort of purely how we can get, uh, stay in touch with you. But this penultimate question is, what's the most valuable thing that you do for your customer? The most valuable thing is connecting them to meaningful connections, meaningful relationships. One of the quotes that I started this with that I penned is at the core of humanity is this most basic need. And that is the need to connect in a deep and a meaningful way to another human. And that's what human does. So you're tracking that. That's how you're judging. Are we doing what we set out to do? How many people got connected this month, this week, today? Yep. That's it. That is, that is, those, those are the top metrics along the customer journey that I kind of described earlier. Each one of those is a metric. So the initial connection to taking another step to, to see someone face to face and have a conversation. And then whether or not someone moves that conversation online to an offline reality where they're able to be in community with another person. That's the judge. That's the goal here. That's what we're shooting for. Absolutely. And what a journey you are on, Don. Um, I certainly want to and will stay up to date on how things are progressing for you. Sounds like the second half of this year are going to be uh, packed going to be packed with launches and information and feedback loops and interactions, maybe even events. So we wish you the best of luck there. But before you go, please help us get in touch with you moving forward. We've listened to this. We've learned more about you and your background here in Nashville and also what you're building in a space where a lot of people are going after the dating market, but you have a novel approach uh, I just want to stay in touch. I want to keep in touch with you. I want to maybe help you. Maybe I do know somebody who can introduce you to somebody or somebody directly. You know, maybe I'm a co-founder, you know, and I want to get in touch with you. You know what I mean? Maybe I want to learn some of your marketing skills. Maybe I want to just grab 15 minutes on your calendar. Like, where can people go? 
to have a meaningful connection with you, Don. Yeah, that's that's great. So you can drop me a message and on my DM and Instagram. I'm D Cornell, C-O-R-N-E-L. My email address, either Dawn at DawnCornelius.com or Dawn at MyHumanApp.com. And then, of course, check out our site, MyHumanApp.com. Very nice. And sign up for that wait list so you can explore some of the features and interactions and connections that Dawn mentioned and alluded to today. So with that, first of all, Thank you. It's good to see you. And I'm glad that we met on Juneteenth and we're able to hop on the broadcast today and talk a little bit more about human in the direction you're going. And I think it's a great timing for you, too, because it sounds like everything has been building and the momentum has been growing for you to truly erupt in 2021. So we can't wait to see that happen. Uh, but thank you. And with that, we will bid you adieu. We'll let you have the last word. Anything you want to say before we part ways? Yeah, thank you so much. I'm thrilled, you know, that we were able to, to make the connection. I mean, it's crazy, right? Just you never know what opportunity is going to bring. And you don't ever know who you're standing next to, who you're having a what you think is kind of a casual, trivial conversation. My core belief is that no conversation is ever casual or trivial, that there are always divine moments and opportunities in every encounter. And so to always be mindful of that, that it could be the moment for whatever. And there's something to learn from every person that you that you meet. So I'm grateful that you yielded yourself to that kind of divine moment. And I'm glad that I was aware enough to yield myself as well. Thank you for having me. And thank you for giving me an opportunity to, to talk about human. And thank you for what you're doing. Man, this is incredible for other uh, tech founders, diverse tech founders, and giving a space and an opportunity for just the voices to, to be heard and for people to to be aware. So what you're doing is making a difference and I'm grateful. And I know I speak for a lot of other others that we're very grateful for you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining this week on Diverse Tech Founders with Abraham J. Williamson. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. You can do it right now. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us too. Thanks again.